Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. This episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete is brought to you by Dummy the Web Series. Starring, written, and directed by our buddy Joe Dallow, and also starring Izzy Diaz. Dummy is the very funny story of Sammy and Donnie. One's a dummy, one isn't. Maybe they both are. I don't know. Go check it out. Episode 3 is up, where they go in search of an agent. It's pretty funny. Go check it out. Go to YouTube.com, search Dummy the Web Series, and subscribe to the channel so you can get all the episodes as soon as they come out. I know they're working on episode 4 as we speak. Go check it out. And now it's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Talking New York sports nice. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. <laughs> Hold the phone. Hey, brother. <laughs> this is serious. Serious. We could make you delirious. Delirious. Just a bit outside. Just gotta stop, man. We keep having the same conversation. <laughs> Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 214. Hi. Coming to you live from Comac, New York. Not really, not yet. Bayside, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey, the Garden State. It's Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast. Hey, what's going on? I'm Sam Pete. Thank you for joining us tonight. As we uh, stream and record this live on Thursday, January the 22nd, 2015, it is 10 p.m. It's time for Ready to Unload. All right. Welcome to the program. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for joining us. Brian Bassett from thejetsblog.com, part of the SNY network of blogs, is going to be joining us very soon to talk about uh, Jets-type things. And football in general. And also, you know, it's been about two and a half years since we've had Brian on. And uh, a lot has changed for him in blogging land. So we're going to talk to him about that, too. He's um, he's a great blogger. He does a fantastic job with his blog on uh, SNY.TV. So he's going to join us, talk about Todd Bowles, talk about Mike McCagnan, talk about everything that's going on with Deflategate. <laughs> Uh, and we're going to talk, obviously, a ton about that uh, later in the program as well. We may be joined by our buddy, Dr. Ira Stat, our buddy Evan, may uh, give us a shout to talk to Flategate and, and that whole uh, nonsense. Uh, but uh, Brian is uh, is really looking forward to coming on the program. We're really looking forward to having him. Um, he's done a, a wonderful job with the Jets. So 
Uh, there we are. Hi, I'm Sam Pete. As I mentioned, uh, this is a sports talk podcast. So, you know, we might talk about some other stuff at other times. This is our 214th go with it. So we've been doing it for a while. Uh, we talk New York sports predominantly. Uh, then we may slide into uh, Saturday Night Live for a while or something. A couple weeks ago, we had an entire uh, fun load show about diners. It was good. It was fun. Um, hi, I'm feeling weird. I'm trying to get in touch with Cal. He's had some Skype issues. Um, we are never without uh, such issues. Um, seemingly, even though we've been on Blog Talk Radio for about 214 years. Um, hi. Welcome to the program. Uh, the program. Um, yeah, th- there's a ton going on in the world of New York sports, even though there's not really a lot going on. The Islanders and Rangers are at the All-Star break, and both are playing fantastic hockey. Uh, we'll talk about that. I went to the Islander game on Monday, on Martin Luther King Day. I took my four-year-old, uh, who is hockey-obsessed, which is fantastic. Um, it was a difficult experience, though. There were a lot of reminders of why the Islanders are moving to the Barclays Center and out of Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Because if you put 16,700 people in that place, there's not a lot of room to move. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that uh, maybe later. You know, the Mets, we've been putting it off. Cal is due to have one of his, uh, his, his Peter, uh, Peter Finch, Peter Finch? Who am I thinking of? Our, our third man in the Bishop pop culture, PJ, will correct Peter Finch, yes. Mattis Hell is not going to take Thank it you. anymore. Yeah, a little network, yes. a network moment, absolutely. We, we had that episode, what was it, about three years ago with the Mets, Cal, uh, Peach, and we are due for another Mattis Hell, not going to take it anymore, sticking your head out the window, going ape, boo. <laughs> About the Mets, another blow up is imminent. Yeah, yeah we're due. We're due for... I got the tarps. We're ready for like. It's going to be like a Gallagher show. The it whole is like a Gallagher show. Is wearing is wearing tarps and they're ready. It's going to be like Goodfellas on WPIX. It's that's what we're looking at. It's going to be like and the Wilbons boot a bigger scoreboard boot. They don't have a shortstop boot. He won't trade for anybody boot. Um, I remind the beauty of Cal is that he can is that he could tear you a new one without getting vulgar. That's I correct. I think that's Cal's strength right there. I think that's one of his gifts. Yeah, it's one of his gifts. It truly is. Let's welcome him like into the. Uh, let's bring him into the program. The co-host, who, the guy whose name is first, Cal, and ne- and never takes a backseat to anyone. This guy, Mr. Brian Calniva Catino Caliente. My understanding team of greyhounds <laughs> leading the way, followed by the Clydesdales. He is. This is how followed he enters the, the Roman Colosseum. Yeah. <laughs> A majestic steed. Right, like this is how he comes into the Colosseum to do his podcast, and and he shouts, "Are you not entertained?" This is how he goes into work. Hi, Cal. Hi. That's uh, that's how you walk into work, right? In the morning, when you go in, when you go in there, you go to your desk, and that's playing as you walk past the mere peons that are all below you in your office, right, in their cubicles. (laughs) As you go to, to well, to your cubicle, probably. No. No, you have an office, right? I have an office. Great story about the uh, stapler 
in Office Space that um, uh, Mike Judge told on WTF the other day about how they didn't make a red swing line stapler um, before that movie. And they made them special for that movie because Swingline like signed off on it, and it became their most popular stapler wow. Be- because of Office Space. I like my red stapler back, please. Um, what's up, buddy? Not much. There's a lot going on, kid. Sure is. We got Bassett on the show tonight. Are you pumped? Yes. You don't seem it. Jet hires. That's right. Talk about that, right? We yes. I think it's a good idea. Don't you? Uh, I I would think they're the new kids in town. Oh, sing it. No. Johnny come lately. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, the new kid in town. <laughs> you couldn't resist. I, 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 no, please. Nobody can pass that up. Um, yeah, no. So <laughs> it, that's exciting. That's it's really exciting to have uh, a couple of new faces. Yeah, it, absolutely. Who I thought acquitted themselves quite uh, nicely the last few days, and then we, you know, we we didn't even get to talk about the games on Sunday. You know, I know it's Thursday already, so a lot's been talked about, but the games haven't really been discussed much because of, uh, well, the Patriots. What are we calling it? I like, I like Deflate Gate. I do not like Balgazi. No, I know you you. you. <laughs> That connotates something well, much it, more negative than sports. Yeah, it, Benghazi's like a real thing where where people died, and and no matter what happened there, like real people died. As I said on Twitter, with you know with Watergate, the only thing that died was the nation's innocence. That's I I, I thought that was a pretty good line. Nothing there. You're not gonna. No, I'm I I. Actually, was giving it the proper time to breathe, and oh, it trampled see. all over. Oh, I see. That's my bad then. Yeah. yeah. Well, try, like... let's try that again. Try that again. What'd you say on Twitter about that? <laughs> it was like Watergate. What was what was that like? As I oft do, I trample all over the line. I was giving you an opportunity for a redo. Um, I prefer gate with any sort of scandal because, again, Watergate, and and it's. Unbelievably appropriate in the case of the Patriots, because and this has been said a ton, and we've said it on this show a bunch of times. He is Nixon, like Belichick is Nixon. He is so paranoid to the point of delusion. Oh, I think I think there's so much more going on with this guy. He's he's the parallels between him and Nixon are are amazing, and and you know Francesca said this. Um, you know, you had callers say this. I've seen this in a ton of places. We're not uncovering new ground, but this is something we've said as well. He doesn't even need to cheat, and he still does. Well, and it's like Nixon with Watergate. Like there was no way he was losing that election. What he still had to be sure. He still it wasn't ninety eight percent of a guarantee wasn't enough for him. Sports, it seems like Barry Bonds, right? Guys that don't need to cheat seem to be the ones that cheat the most. Well, that's it. Wow. Hey, can we rack that, PJ? Can we <laughs> for future RTUs? My RTU Sports Minute. You might want to take that again. Let's do that again. In three, two, and go. 
Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Don't push Why it. Why does it? <laughs> I did, did it again. Stay in there. Cut. <laughs> well, you you pushing it. You're elbowing it. Just stay in there. And. Why did... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's gone. I lost it. Yeah, that's it. We're going to have to do it in the RTU lid. Moving on. And, you know, we heard Mike McCagnin on the radio today. Yes. He clarified the pronunciation. It's McCagnin. It is McCagnin, yes. Yes, we were right. We were right. I think I was trying trying to make it McCognin because I had seen that originally phonetically spelled out by one of the beat reporters. It's McCagnin. Yeah. And and he he had a good line where he said, just break it down into three syllables. Right. Which, and Francesa almost had a, a tongue stroke. Trying to right. say syllables, which was fun. Yeah, but yeah, so we so we have we have his name down. It's Mike McCagnin, the uh, new general manager of the Jets, and Todd Bowles, the new head coach of the Jets. And I'm, I I am dying. Well, and we'll talk about it with Brian Bassett. But I'm dying to get your take on this. Well, should dying. We, I mean, should we jump right into that? Brian's going to call in in a minute or two. Um, do we want to welcome PJ to the show and then and then we'll talk to him in a bit because I really want to get PJ's take on Deflategate. Yeah, I don't I don't know if we want to welcome him though. You don't you're not feeling welcoming? No, I mean he can come in. He can he can why come in. Why does it be so formal? Why does it have to be a, a thing? Right. Uh, because I like it. He seems to like it when we make a big deal out of him. Well, he I see him standing off to the side with his guitar, so it looks like he's ready to walk in. <laughs> oh no, he has drums today. I'm sorry. Oh good. Oh no! This is this this is the uh, the melancholy intro. Something must have happened. Yeah, this is the, this is the montage where he's missing his 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 wife. Or is he on a box looking out the window? That's right. I don't know, guys. I don't know. Now th- there needs to be. We need to cut to your wife Tina, like shopping, and like. Looking at a jar of mayonnaise or something and thinking of you wistfully or something. You know, and then we cut back to you on the bus. No, but then I see I see a shot of the two of them happily making a sandwich. Like right. they're thinking right. of times. But that's a flashback. No, it's not during this montage. It's Better during time. the montage. No. It's during the montage, but PJ is like, got a little more hair. Tina's, you know, maybe maybe Lily's like crawling around instead of being like 13. You know what I mean? That's that when sort the sandwiches of were great. Uh, those were the years of wine and sandwiches. It's a terrible book. <laughs> no one wanted Mitch that Alba book. Novel. I gave the treatment to everybody. I know you. That that script was all around town. Years of <laughs> the wine year and sandwiches. Of wine and sandwich. <laughs> I I believe I believe Matthew Perry was attached to it for a while, and yeah. he just does not have the gravitas. To sort of pull off the year of wine and sandwiches. No, no, no that's more. That's more of a swimmer role, I think. <laughs> you can't get Schwimmer right. attached to that. Yeah, that's true. You know what's un- unbelievable about David Schwimmer? I waited on him once. Um, that's not what's unbelievable about him at all, because he eats meals, and I happen to be working in a restaurant. Nothing remarkable there at all. <laughs> I'm going to get to the remarkable thing in a second. But when I uh, – it was great. We, we waited on him at the, this place I worked in L.A. And it, perfectly lovely, really nice guy. This was right after the holdout. And I actually had a friend in L.A. who played cards with him all the time. I played poker with him and knew him pretty well and just real down to earth. But this was right after they held out and they were getting like – they came back and they each got like a million dollars an episode. 
And so he was in there having lunch, and my buddy Terry was waiting tables with me, and we were back by like, you know, getting getting his soup or something like that. And Terry goes, uh, "I'm sorry, uh, somebody dropped a million dollar bill on their way out of the restaurant. I think that's yours, Mr. Schwimmer. <laughs> that's great." Uh, but he was he was the 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 unbelievable thing that guy never has to work again ever. That guy's kids ne- like we're talking about joking about him taking a project, literally never take a project again, and he'll never have to work ever. Well, does he want to? No, he works like he directs and stuff. I know he's real into theater. I know he um, you know he was real into his theater company in Chicago and stuff. And but he just doesn't have to. I mean, none of them do. Well, and yet we have the comeback on HBO. Well, because they want to work, because they're actors, and that's what they do. You know, but financially, unless they were really insane, like like NBA player insane with their money, they don't have to work. And, And yet they choose to for the art. Did you just call the NBA player insane? No, are you allowed? To, are you allowed to do that? I said they spent like an NBA player. No, you said NBA player insane. Yeah, they spent NBA player insane, insanely, is what I mean. Oh, okay. How many cautionary NBA player tales do we have? Uh, we have a lot <laughs> of, of of guys going through like sixty-eight million dollars in four years. Right. I just want to make. I just want to make sure we're covering ourselves. Right. We don't so, need any. We don't need any trouble. From the Welcome NBA? MTV Cribs. Oh. Come on inside my house and see my cash incinerator. <laughs> I just had it installed. Best MTV Cribs ever. The guy had a fireplace for cash. <laughs> That's how I heat it, my house. It makes no sense. <laughs> hey, telephone's ringing. I'll be back. All right, great. That's probably Brian Bassett from uh, again, once again from the JetsBlog.com, part of the SNY network of blogs. Brian's uh, the originator of that blog, the founder, and uh, one of the contributors, key contributor. Um, we get the top guys, Cal. We sure do. You know, we get the Joe Cavarosos of the world. We get the you know the the, the Brian Bassetts, the big guys. We don't settle for less. We we don't. You know who does? The Mets. Don't start. <laughs> I want to start. Oh, I'm going to start. Do not. It's happening tonight, buddy. It's happening. We've got, we've got a lot of things to talk about tonight. That's not one of them. It's, it's happening. Okay? Yep. Okay. It's going down. Yeah, no. No. Is that an outright refusal on your part? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I, yeah, I'm exercising a clause in my contract. You're familiar with the contract, right? Uh, the Santa Claus? Yeah. <laughs> Are you? Does that mean you're going to be you're going to be Santa Claus this year? It, it's the Mrs. Claus. Oh. <laughs> okay. The little little known part of the uh, contract. <coughs> God bless. Uh, Thank you. I uh, I have a uh, not very, feeling well tonight. Are you? I'm okay. I have a very sore throat and a little bit of a cough, so I may need to uh, use the Ralph Kiner button uh, a few times tonight. This is not good. Yeah. I need you on your game tonight. Okay. Well, he got game. You got, you got game. Never said those words in my life. Could you imagine? Who's he? Who's he? Don't know. 
Do we know? Is that like they? Oh, you know what they say. That's right. They. I believe he's, it he's was... the singular of they. <laughs> That's right. Very popular guy. He got game. He does. <laughs> okay. Um, Brian is uh, is with us. Do we have? Uh, I wonder if we have. I wonder if PJ has intro music. I wonder. I wa 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 wonder. So much depth to talk about. You're right. We could get to the Mets later. If there's if, time. If at all. The thing about the the Mets is if we're going to do it, I really need to have my full voice. Yeah, let's forget it. Hey, look. They got a bigger scoreboard, buddy. It's all you need to know. You're pushing the buttons. On the day that the Nats signed Max Scherzer to form the best rotation in baseball, the Mets showed their commitment to their fans and their experience at City Field. A bigger scoreboard, Cal. Can you welcome in our guest, please? Uh, yes, I can welcome him in. He is the founder and, I believe, head writer and probably editor-in-chief. He's a lot of titles at the Jets blog. He joins us for the first time in a really long time, and we are super excited to have him back. Brian Bassett. Hey, Bri. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. It has been a long time. I feel like it's been, like, has it been two years? I can't remember. It's been a long time. At least yeah, I think it's been we were uh we were trying by the way, you, you got the uh CSI Miami uh intro music, so congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you thank you. To, I was you uh, taking to... off my shades or putting them back on, I can't remember <laughs> which I need to do to that music, but I was doing it. Yes. Well done. Um welcome back, buddy. It it has been too long and uh we're we're thrilled to have you back on the program. And there's um there's so much to talk about with the Jets. I and I so we definitely want to jump right in there. Obviously, we want to do uh, also get your take about everything that's going on with the Patriots and, of course, what the league might do here. Um, I've sort of been off Twitter for the last few hours, so maybe you can even update us, um, you know, about what's going on as sure. the NFL, yeah. you know, decided not to even talk to Tom Brady. Um, and then um, I did want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, as it has been so long, how uh, how much your blog has evolved because it really has evolved a ton. Um, so let's start with. Oh boy, Bri. Let's start with the new guys. You know, I uh, I check your site every day. I know Bri does too. Um, you know, so we've been following along for this candidate search. Let me ask you first: How did you feel the search went? Uh, do you feel it was a much better, more complete search? Obviously, you know, probably than the last time. How did you feel about how Woody Johnson conducted the search? Uh, I liked it. I, I did like it. I think. I think the last search was was pretty exhaustive too, maybe almost too much so. Um, and I think that you know, going through it the, the last time two years ago when they were looking for the GM, they almost interviewed too many folks, and you know, maybe you know the the music the music started uh, the the music in the game of musical chairs started to end, and other people you know got in their seats, and and uh, and the Jets were left with maybe. Not not their their first option, but uh, right. but regardless, um, I would say I think it was good. Um, the last time around, one of the big things was that they used a, an executive uh, search firm called Corn Ferry. Corn and, Ferry, uh, if, yes, if, our yeah, good, our if, good friend. I don't know how uh, I call them, familiar I call listeners them, would be. You call them what? Carry. I said I call them Corn Carry all the time, which <laughs> sounds sounds filthy. Just sounds filthy. Yeah, it does. But uh, but they basically. They basically made the mess in Michigan that uh, from the Michigan football you know program yeah. is is cleaning up right now. You know, most notably, they hired the guy who uh, 
who ran Domino's Pizza into the ground, and they said, "Hey, you'd be a great athletic director. Yeah, let's let's get you to be the athletic director." So, so I would say the fact that they didn't go back to Corn Ferry and they went to two well-respected guys in Charlie Casserly and, and Ron Wolf, uh, you know, former GMs themselves, you know, to maybe differing acclaim, but but certainly guys who are well connected in the league, who are well respected, who have lots of connections, and uh, he used their um, advice and you know whatever connections to start to start the process if they're and you know they went through a number of candidates for both gm and and head coach um if there was anything i think people want to knock you know the jets for anything i would just say that certainly there were some good young hot shot candidates that might have gotten away um uh ryan i think ryan pace who ended up uh in chicago and hired uh john fox uh, he's someone that people respect. George Patton, who uh, who uh, is like a assistant GM, I believe, with the Vikings. He's another um, you know well respected guy. Uh, th- those are probably the two names of, of folks that you know they didn't even really get the chance to talk to those guys because they wanted something else or they didn't they didn't want any part of of, of kind of the New York you know New York Jets mess which, you know, it can be at times. Uh, so yeah. I would say on the whole, I really liked what they did. But, you know, certainly, you know, maybe they didn't get to interview everybody, but on the whole, good. Yeah. I, I One thing I'm curious about, Brian, because two years ago when they conducted this search, your blog was in one place, and now two years later, um, it's in a bit of a different place. I, I, I yeah. would guess just from reading you have, uh, reading every day, you have more access, you have... Um, maybe a little better means at your disposal to, um, you know, to get information. And also it seems that your sources have uh, obviously improved a little bit uh, as you become uh, perhaps more credentialed. Um, So I'm wondering, did that have an effect on how you were able to report it this time around on the blog? I, I think it did. Um, I also think that, you know, the fact that SNY is the, TV partner of the Jets, you know, means that there there is a a symbiosis that needs to be maintained there. You know, if you're just CBSSports.com or whatever, and you don't have a you know direct relationship, you know, with the team, you have an NFL relationship or whatever. You know, certainly um, you can do a little bit of different things, and um, but but at the same time, I certainly think that you know I there was stuff that I maybe I. If it was a couple of years ago or different, maybe I would have uh, I would have written differently or, or written more on. But you know, the big thing that that kind of I was aware of that didn't I didn't get to write too much about was was the Doug Marone stuff, which was right. as, as best I understand it, um, Doug Marone was a really <laughs> legitimate candidate for the Jets and. He either overplayed his hand or, you know, whatever, and, you know, it ended up turning off the team. And, I I mean, my my whole point on that is thank God that it did. Um, (laughs) I I really didn't want Doug Marone to be be the coach of of the Jets, and look where he is now. He's the offensive line coach, uh, you know, in Jacksonville. I mean, that's that's quite a fall from grace. But but what I would say is, like, you know, I was never going to, report that, hey, Doug Marone is the guy, but it, it was pretty clear to me that they were very serious about him, and they were very tight-lipped on on Todd Bowles, um, mm. and, you know, I didn't, ha- I don't have, you know, a full picture of everything that's going on, but 
the fact that they were so silent, you know, once they got that second interview, I was like, okay, he's he's clearly their guy. Now, uh, it seemed, though, Brian, before they interviewed Todd Bowles the second time, all signs really pointed to Dan Quinn as being the guy. Is Is that the impression that you got from being around them? It is, and I think that there were a number of things in play. Uh, I think Dan Quinn was was one of their top choices. Uh, I think they they really liked him. I do think that maybe they got a little antsy around, you know, waiting till after the Super Bowl or whatever. There was that report that you know had Seattle lost, um, you know, maybe in their in their their the the divisional round uh, that the Jets would have gotten on a plane and gone out there that day to to hire him, but. Um, I think they felt like they had a pretty good candidate in in Todd Bowles. And and there was an interesting quote that Peter King put on Twitter, Peter King of of Sports Illustrated. He put a quote where he he said that it was something to the effect of, I I was talking with a very well-respected former executive, um, and he was saying of the coach, of the coaching search, uh, that Dan Quinn was, you know, the brightest, most, you know, m- most most appealing kind of potential head coach out of this group, and uh, and I mean, to me, it, he basically said everything other than this is Ron Wolf telling me this, um, and so, but it was pretty clear <laughs> that Ron Ron Wolf really liked Dan Quinn, um, right. and I think, you know, I think the Jets you know, would have been, it would have been great for them to, uh, to, to hang on for him. And he's a great head coach. I think he'll be a great head coach when he, you know, ends up getting the the Falcons job. But I think the tough thing there was it was getting unsettled. You know, this was obviously going to play out a little longer. The team wanted to get moving. They wanted a good other, you know, the rest of the staff, they wanted that to be in place. Um, and I mean, and I think the other concern there was, um, just how how is this going to end up playing out? Like um, because once once John Fox left uh, Denver, you know, then Denver with Peyton Manning and John Elway and that pretty incredible team is in play. And I think the Jets, you know, obviously he's not going to Denver, but I think they probably started to worry a little bit and say we might wait all this way and then lose out. So let's take. You know, let's take one B here in Todd Bowles, who's a great coach. I think he's a great coach. I think many people think he'll be a great coach. So yeah. better that we get Todd Bowles instead of Dan Quinn than we wait around and we hire, I don't know, um, Doug Marone or you know uh, Tony Sperano or someone like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the 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 you know what you know where I saw a domino guys and a buddy of mine brought this up was Rex going to Buffalo. Because I think if Rex does go to Atlanta, I think we're still waiting. But yes. once Rex goes, I think once Rex goes to Buffalo and the Atlanta job is open and Atlanta's going to bring in Todd Bowles for a second interview, I think they said, "Look, we can't, we can't wait on this because we risk losing, we we risk losing either of those guys to the Atlanta job." So I think it was I a think, combination of the of the Denver job coming open and then Rex going to Buffalo instead of Atlanta. I think they thought Atlanta was a done deal for Rex and that they would have Bowles for a while longer because he wasn't up for the Buffalo job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, So I, I think that had a, a, a lot to do with the, the dominoes sort of falling where they were. And they wound up with, with Todd Bowles, who, as you said, is was a perfectly viable 1B and sounds like uh, from all the interviews and stuff – 
um, and from what you're saying, that they had him pretty high on their list anyway. Yeah, I, I definitely think he, he was high on their list, and I think, you know, he's certainly, it's you know, it's only early days here, right? But I certainly think he's bringing the right approach and, you know, some different things that um, were lacking maybe from Rex Ryan. I loved Rex Ryan as a coach. I was, you know, sad to see him go. I think his defenses were amazing. But, you know, you see in kind of the introductory press conference and, you know, Woody Johnson, the, the Jets owner's statements, in that, um, you know, he's not going to just be calling the defense. He's going to be yes. you know, managing the whole team, you know, kind of situational awareness stuff. He wants that. And Todd Bowles is going to have his defensive coordinator come in and um, and actually run the defense. So Rex won't be, you know, jammed up on that other stuff. He can be looking, you know, uh, excuse me, Ted, Todd Bowles won't be you know, jammed right, up on that other years. stuff. He'll be, he'll be you years. know, looking at the full picture. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is good. And then the other thing is I, I hate it when, when teams go from one uh, disciplinarian to one player's coach to one disciplinarian to one player's coach, and I definitely think that Bulls seems to fall somewhere in the middle. In the middle he seems yeah. to be, you know, to want accountability from his players. He, you know, he will tell them when they're wrong, but he also wants to put them in the right position. Players, you know, you look at, you know, some of the stuff that the – the Arizona players, they are very sad that he's leaving. They really loved him. They, so they're gonna, the players are going to love him, but he's not going to be you know, taking him to Dave and Buster's the night before a game. I don't think that's going to be his thing. <laughs> yeah, I, think, yeah, I was, I was going to say the other interesting aspect of it, too, is um, with, with Todd Bowles is that y- you mentioned this idea of a disciplinarian and a soft, you know, players coach and the Jets did that. They did, you know, you go Al Groh and then you go Herm Edwards and then you go Eric Mangini and then you go Rex Ryan and then you had, you know, Parcells and you had, or you had Pete Carroll right. and then, you know, like the, the Jets have done that forever, forever, you know, so it, it was nice. He does seem to really be guys like right in the middle because as you said, the, the the cardinal players, some of them really not taking it well, <laughs> in 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 vulgar vulgar ways. Yeah, and Darnell then, Dockett know, was not happy. Right, Dar- Darnell Dockett. I can't print that. You can't put that in a paper. Um, That's right. And then you know, but then other guys saying he will whip your ass. Like he's not going to be afraid to. Uh, he has the respect of his players, being an ex-player. Um, and also, he knows when to to ride a guy and when to. And as he said, he said this a couple of times, guys. I don't know if you caught it. It's been it's it's funny because I've seen every seen or heard every interview that both Bowles and uh, McCagnan uh, have done, and they have pat lines, you know, which is fine. They're getting comfortable with the sure. media. We can we can talk a little bit more about that, especially with Mike McCagnan in a second. But they have sort of pat lines, right? So Bowles said a couple of times. As long as the player knows you respect him, I can say anything I want. You know, like as long as they know it's not personal, I can chew them out any way I see fit. As long as you've gained that trust that they know you're not being personal, you can be as hard on them as you want. And I'm, and of course, obviously, he didn't say it that way. I'm paraphrasing, but he said that, mm-hmm. yeah, that sort of thing. And I think that's. Really interesting to me for this team because there has been zero accountability for these guys. Zero. Rex has jumped in front of and under and towards every bus that has come at a player for six years. 
Every bus. Mm-hmm. And the, these guys had no fear for their jobs. They had no fear for their, you know, Cal, you've said this a million times, right? Like, what does Rex do? Rex, what, he talks up his players to the point where they, they of course they wanted him to stay. They never have to face a straight question. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a great right. point, right? Yeah, he, right, he took every arrow and, and hey, that's great. But, but at the same time, right, you're, there's there's no accountability there, right? There's just zero accountability there. Yeah, I mean, even when guys got benched, he was calling him an all-pro the next week. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you can't do both. Like, he would bench, he benched Milner a couple of times, and he's like, don't get me wrong, he's still going to be an all-pro cornerback. He's still going to be a great one. Well, dude, you just benched him. Let him, <laughs> let him sit in the benching for a couple right. of days, you know? So it, it was it was very refreshing. I want to take you uh, both on a little journey. No, I want to take you both to uh, to Mike Mike McCagnan because Cal and I have been going back and forth on this hire and something that I thought of I thought was of great import and I I don't know we, Cal I wouldn't say we've been arguing about it but we've we've disagreed a little bit. I think we've disagreed on the way he's presented himself initially. His first impression. Well, and also, or, and, and also, we disagreed a bit on how important that impression is. Right, right. And before before you and I get into how we think his first impression went, right. Brian, I want to get your take on it. Uh, the press conference yesterday with McCagnan and Bowles. How do you think they acquitted themselves in their first opportunity to speak to the media and to speak to the fans? And I do want to pre- – let me just preface, Brian. Just by uh, Brian Bassett, not Brian Calvi, uh, by saying, um, I thought it was very important for whoever took over the GM job, especially considering it was likely going to be a first-time GM, to really learn from its six mistakes with the media. Like, it is important. It is important what, what he does, especially since there were just banners and billboards running the other guy out of town. Absolutely, yeah. And so, so I, think, I, you know, I thought that was important. And, and Cal, yeah. you did too, but you didn't think it was as important as I did, I think. No, so that's I, why I, I want to get I want to get Brian's take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think for you know just to, quickly on Bowles, I think you know Bowles is everything I've seen from him to date prior to this, whatever. You know, he's he's friendly, he's genial, um, he's not you know super wordy, you know, like like Rex. He's not going to go on and on and on. I think he he's a little bit you know more tight lipped, but but in a good way. And I think he's he's very balanced, and I think he's very. Um, you know, measured and smart and intelligent. But, you know, one of the things, one of the real interesting moments to me was he was asked during the press conference by, I'm, I'm not sure exactly who, but someone just saying, listen, you know, you're an African-American coach. You know, how, yeah. how do you kind of, you know, feel about was, this, the situation? That question, that question yeah, was I mean, it was intense. a pretty loaded question <laughs> and, you know, political question. And I thought yeah. he, you know, acquitted himself very well in just saying, listen, you know, I hope that I'm here because I'm a good coach first. Yep. Yes, I'll never not be an African American, but at the same time, I hope it's my accomplishments that have gotten me yep. this far, and that has to be the first thing. And yep. yes, I certainly, you know, appreciate, you know, you know, the Fritz Pollard Alliance and all these sort of things, but at the end of the day, it's it's about 
your work and not, you know, just expecting, well, I'm African-American, I need a, a, a you know, a head coaching job. So I, I thought that was wonderful. I, I thought yep. that gave us a real sense of who he is and what he's about and what he believes. And, right, it's a meritocracy, right? You, you got you to gotta earn it kind of a thing. Yep. That's awesome. Um, so, so that's quickly on Bulls. But then on McCagnin, you know, I certainly think you get the sense that he's not totally comfortable in, in front of that group. I didn't get to hear his, uh, his WFAN uh, um, call in uh, whatever yet, but, but I was going to listen to that later tonight. Yeah. But, um, but I certainly think that you know, he understands that there's a lot of stuff and churn going on, and, and you're right. You know, the way Idzik treated <laughs> kind of the media and, uh, I mean, almost an open disdain for it. You know, and when you're Bill Belichick, you can get away with that. Uh, but, you know, when you're, when you're John Idzik, you, you can't. And so he had a very contentious relationship with them. And then when he did that press conference, that, I guess, late October, early November press conference, you know, there it was just – I'm not – saying he needs to be a snake oil salesman or a huckster in any way. I'm just saying you need to sell hope. You need to sell something. And he came out there, and he just fell on his sword and just bled out in front of everybody. It was it was awful. And yeah. so, you know, you're a fan, and you're saying, listen, okay, I understand this is a bad year, but give me some hope, you know, get, right? Give me some hope. And he did none of that. And that really killed his chances of coming back for a third year. And so, right, certainly I think – McCagnan has a dim view of what just happened and everything I've heard is right. He might not be the, you know, the most silver-tongued person in the world, but he's open to um coaching and, you know, criticism in that area and how he needs to do this the right way. So, my thought is, you know, the PR team will do a good job with him and will tell him how much he needs to be available and and that sort of thing and they'll put him in yeah. good position. Yeah. I would I, I mean, it- a couple of things I, I totally agree, Bri. And a couple of things that I noticed because I did. Well, first, just one last thing on Itzik, um, which which I think is is um, um, illusory for McCagnan, and that is, Itzik came into a complete and utter circus, right? So you had Tebow, the butt fumble, like really, and had to keep Rex. So the circus was staying. And there were leaks all over the place, you know, reported. You know this now, Brian, especially because you deal with them a lot. You know, you could get any information you wanted from a player, executive. It didn't make a difference. There were leaks everywhere, every day. And so he came into this situation where he had to basically stop that from happening. But he went way too far the other way. And he did become he did become like sort of Nixonian, and it really only started to rear its head in that in that in his first or his second off season, where he did fail in free agency. And and Cal and I have the theory that, uh, especially after Woody Johnson's press conference, that he wanted to spend that twenty million dollars. He just couldn't close a deal, mm-hmm. um, and he just couldn't close deals. I don't think he ever intended to go into the off season with twenty million dollars. I think he wanted to spend it on DRC where he wanted to spend it on another corner, and he just didn't close deals. Um, Yeah, he definitely was too deliberate. And I mean, I understand you don't want to, you know, waste money unnecessarily, but at the same time, you pretty much, you know, any good GM 
I mean, to be to be quite honest, you know, they say you can't really, you know, talk about money and free agency and players and that sort of thing until you know free agency begins. But the right. the truth, that you know, the dirty truth about this is the NFL Combine is where a lot of this happens. So a yeah. lot of this stuff right. is already frameworked, kind of structured, set in place, so that they know, hey, you know, midnight rolls around or whatever the, the start time is. Bam, they can they can you know ink a deal in yeah. you know, within. 10, you know, 5, 10, whatever, a day, you know, in, initially right off the bat. And yeah. he wasn't doing that. No, and I think he I think he at some point then became, when he was getting called out on it, he had gone so far the other way, closed all the leaks, didn't want anybody's help, didn't want to do any PR, didn't want to, you know, call up the fan, whatever. Um, that And he, and he did, he, he did Boomer and Carton and stuff like that. He's always very guarded. Always very guarded. Every interview was sort of by road, and he never really let people know who he was, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he went way too far the other way. So I was hoping for this hire that we could find a middle ground here. I don't want Mike Tannenbaum. I don't want the guy on the radio every ten minutes. Right. You know, and and every time he makes a move, Mike Francesa knows about it before you know we do. Um. But I also don't want Itzik, obviously, for obvious reasons. You can't button up that much and be that contentious with the media. So I thought what was very interesting, and um, I was telling Cal this, I watched the press conference. I listened to his interview with Michael Kay. I listened to his interview with Boomer and Carton this morning. And I listened to his interview with Mike Francesa this afternoon. And by the Mike Francesa interview, he was in. He was he was a different guy even from yesterday's press conference. He was a different guy. And I, I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm not saying anything like that. I just got a very good sense of him learning. This is an aspect of the job. And to let your guard down a little bit with these guys because they can make or break you. Mm-hmm. And by the time he t- – I'm telling you guys. Cal, you heard the Francesa one today, right? Yeah, that's the only one I heard. So right. I, he- I heard the Francesa one, and I saw the press conference. Right. Francesa and loved him. Yeah, there was, a, there was a, a, a great difference in him, and I don't know if it was uh, because he was speaking to a group of people yesterday, and it was one-on-one today, but he was much more comfortable today. Still get the sense that he's not 100% comfortable doing this part of the job, which is natural because it's, it's, it's brand new to him. Yeah, but but you, like like you said, Steve, he definitely showed a, a different side of himself today. It was a little more personal. Yep. Today with Mike Francesa. Yep. And and it like was said, it was this morning with Carton too. Yep. Uh, he let his guard down a little bit, and and I think uh, any any fan that would have listened to his interview with Mike Francesa today, I think would have walked away feeling pretty good about him. I tell you, the calls were great. The calls afterward were great. You know, Jeff, wow, he sounds really good. You know, because Mike almost gave him the papal, you know, seal of approval. Right. You know, the, white, the, the white puff of smoke came out. Once Francesa heard that he had been an area scout, because it, oh, I can't it. wait for he you to... Oh, that was it. He was all in, right? That's yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I can't wait for you to listen to the interview, Brian, because nice. he tests him early. And he says, so, you know, your player development or whatever, you've been in, you know, you've been a pro scout your whole time. He's like, Mike, I started out as an intern, then I was an area scout for six years, you know, like, and he was like, oh, that's it. And then you could tell McCagnan got comfortable talking about scouting. Like, that's where you know this guy's in. You know, yeah, like, he likes that, talking about that. It was great. 
and I think that's the thing, you know, with with the I, I hope, if if anything, I hope that, you know, with Todd Bowles and with and with McCagnan, when they do avail themselves of the media, I think we're gonna get a little bit more football talk. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, the the tabloids are you know, they gotta sell papers and, and all that sort of thing, but I hope. I just I hope because those these guys are more wired that way, they will get more We'll get they'll get a little bit deeper into the analysis of scouting or what type of players you look for or you know why this defense worked or why that offense didn't work or you know whatever it is. I hope we'll get more of that rather than who makes the decision, who makes the decision, who makes the decision you know about quarterback or whatever it is like that will actually get some actual football discussion rather than finger pointing and you know whatever. Well, I'll tell you what a lot I think a lot of fans and and i'll I'll just speak for us right here um that it'd be a breath of fresh air because for six years we didn't get a lot of football talk we got a lot of what was going on with the team and and how it's a circus and there's always something going wrong with the jets now you know i I, personally i'm looking forward to hearing interviews with these guys and hearing a little bit more of the x's and o's and hearing a bit more about what's going on on the field and 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 their and their players and I hope you're right, Brian, because that would be a breath of fresh air for us. Yeah, and McCagnan had a he had a great line this morning. He said it in his interview with Kay. He said it in his interview with Carton, and then he said it. He invited Francesa to Florham Park to have lunch, and he didn't. Whoa. You know, he did. He didn't know that Francesa told him it was great, Brian. You got to go back and listen to it. I would because Francesa said, you know, Francesa says well, well, they don't like me much around there. Okay, so. Uh, you better you better talk to your owner first about that one because uh, me and Woody Johnson. I mean, literally, that's what he says. And McCagney's like, "Oh, no way!" Like he's like, I, he like he pretended he had no idea, which I didn't buy at all. I I, I totally think that he knew exactly what yep. he was doing, yep. and he was trying to gain favor because he. One of the things that he showed is he did his homework. Yep. He knows Mike Francesa is one of the most influential voices in New York. Absolutely, and he was trying right. to get on his good side right from the start. He said to at the end of the K and Carton interviews, he said, um, uh, "Thanks very much, guys. And any time you need me, give me a call. I'll be happy to come back on with you." Those are his exact words. Like mm. this guy obviously went to school on what what ran John Itzik out of town. So that alone makes me feel like he was ready for this job, and he's you know, and he's a he's a real Jersey guy, guys. I didn't really think that was going to be the case. But he's a, he has like a sort of I was a little afraid of sort of getting a scout from Texas, you know. I mean, I realized that he had the Jersey roots, but that didn't really occur to me how much of a Jersey guy he is. And he oh seems, yeah, I mean, right. I mean, he, he said he grew up you know, on the campus of the Petty School, and you yeah, know, like he seems really comfortable in in that sense. Now, so let's go to, um, so we hope for the best there, guys, because it's very important what tone the general manager sets with the media. It's very important and you're part of that media now brian sorry oh oh boy <laughs> no no i'm just kidding um <laughs> you're the good part though don't you're worry the, that's right you're, you're you. one of the oh, good, good. so guys let's go to let's go to uh two things one todd bowles talked a little bit about uh being a complete coach brian uh bassett you i'm just gonna go with bassett and calvi which mm-hmm. sounds like a terrible detective team terrible yeah Bassett and Calvi. Bassett, Bassett, Calvi. and Isles, followed by Bassett and Calvi. I like it. <laughs> there it is. Thank you. 
That's another TNT show that failed miserably. That makes you that makes you super Italian in that equation, Cal. That's, yeah, I know. You're the super. You're Bobby Cannavale in that equation, right? It's about time. Bobby Bobby Cannavale's playing you in that one. Yeah. Is that yeah? Um, Jip Rossetti. Um, so he talked a little bit about being a complete coach, and and as I said, Bassett, you alluded to this earlier. I. I feel like that was such a wonderful thing to hear him talking about being so cognizant of how Rex wasn't a complete head coach. Do you think he was coached to say that? Because uh, I just loved I mean, it. Maybe. I just loved it so much, and he said it like five times. Well, I think yeah, I think I think he knows right. You know what was lacking, and I, at one point, you know, he he said someone asked him about you know, what's going to change or whatever. And he, he made some comment about how, hey, you know, when <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously being brought in because a change was needed. And from everything I understand, you know, he, right, he did his homework to understand how did we get to this point that I'm interviewing for this job. And so, right, I think a big part of it is, right, being that complete coach, allowing your coordinators to run, you know, their parts of the shop and yes, are, are you going to have oversight? Are you going to have input? Of course. But at the end of the day, you can't be, you know, you, you can't be doubling up on their work, right? You've got to be worried about other things. And, uh, and I, I was saying actually earlier today, I think one of the things that it really reminds me of is when um, uh, uh, Mike Tomlin, when Mike Tomlin came to, uh, to Pittsburgh, you know, everybody thought well, this is a Tampa 2 guy, right? He's a Tampa 2 guy. He's going to install his Tampa 2 defense. And, you know, Dick LeBeau is already there, and he's, you know, very known, you know, Hall of Fame coach. And he didn't impose his defense on Dick LeBeau. He said, right. you know, this guy's great at what he does. I'm going to let him do it. Now, obviously, Dick LeBeau has left, and, um, you know, maybe we'll see more, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin stamp on the defense at this point. But my point is, Tomlin took the approach that, hey, I, I'm the head coach. I'm not the defensive coordinator, and, and I'm going to let those guys be autonomous and you know delegate to them. And so I think that you have to set it up that way. And you know, if you want to be a good head coach and a good game manager and understand situational awareness, because if you're not, then you're just going to be missing stuff left, right, and center. And that's what Rex did for you know for six years. Right. So so um, Todd Bowles is the first first guy that we hear that he's bringing in is Chan Gailey to be the offensive coordinator. And Chan Gailey's been out of football for a couple of years. And growing a beard, living off the land. That's right. <laughs> Chopping down trees. Yeah, he's, Him you know, he's finding himself. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. At the age of 63, he decided, let's go, let's go off the grid for a little bit. <laughs> but he comes very highly respected. And a lot of the things that you hear is that Chan Gailey as a head coach, not so much. As an offensive coordinator, you might have a good shot with this. What is, what's your take on the hire of Changeli? Like, what what do you think the mindset was behind Bowles bringing him in, and how do you think he's going to handle the personnel that's currently on the team? Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree. I think it's a good hire. Um, you know, everybody seems to say of Gailey, you know, he the, the game hasn't passed him by. Yes, he's been, you know not on a team, but he's obviously been looking for a good situation. And those two would have known each other from when, 
from when Bowles was in Miami. They would have, you know, coached against each other, and so so he's familiar with them. I don't really know the depth of, of you know, how they know each other, but obviously Gailey can be a little bit of a mentor. You know, he's he's been a head coach before, so so he'll have some of that uh, influence. So I I think it's good. Um, and then in terms of like what his what his offense is, um, everybody says of him that he's very you know he's very multiple, right? Like he doesn't have a set system. He's not like North right. Turner or you know Gary Kubiak or, or whoever that basically says Marty you know, Morningway maybe right Marty Morningway. <laughs> yeah, uh, on and on and on. Yeah, Paul Hackett. Right, keep going. Ah, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, don't. We can't say his name. We cannot say Paul Hackett's name. <laughs> but but the thing is, you know, he right. He takes like Bowles. He wants to maximize the players that he has, and you know the way that manifested itself when he was with Cordell Stewart in um, uh, in Pittsburgh was kind of that you know, slash offense, and then it was, you know, a run-heavy offense, and then when, you know, he kind of bumped around, and then he's, you know, he's the head coach with the Bills, and it was a, you know, a spread offense, a spread-style offense with some, you know, kind of West Coast timing um, nuances that they would kind of flip over or back. They would use it when they needed it to kind of get the defense off guard and then flip back to the spread. And so I, I guess what I would say is I think he'll do whatever um, – whatever's needed. And I think Gil Brandt, you know, said of this guy who's, you know, Gil Brandt is kind of like the godfather of NFL scouting at this <laughs> point. He's super respected. He said, you know, and he's known Gailey for, I guess, when they, when they were back with the Cowboys together. And he said, you know, the game will not have passed this guy. He's by this guy. He's been watching tape for two years. That's just who he is. So, so, Great. so like, you know, I think it'll be good. And then in terms of the offense for the Jets, I mean, who, who knows what it's going to be. I certainly think we're going to see some change at the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, for specifically for Geno Smith, I think it could be a good thing. I, I, I'm not saying I want Geno Smith to start 16 games this year, but I certainly think, you know, Geno Smith came out of a air raid kind of spread style system in college under Dana yep. Holgerson, and then he played for two years in a West Coast, you know, Marty Bordenwig offense, and so nope. he's gonna <laughs> no, but he he oh, understands he both of those things, <laughs> right. yeah. <laughs> he understands both of those systems and, you know, Gailey will be able to take those because those are two things he did with Ryan Fitzpatrick and got him a $60 million contract, um, you know, and, you know, made CJ Spiller into a, you know, a God for two years or whatever. So he's going to be able to use some of that. I think Gino's actually in a good place. He's in a better place now than he was two months ago. With yeah. uh, with Shane Gailey in, in the system, I don't know what it means about guys like Chris Ivory. Um, I I think Chris Ivory will be a a pounding running back like we've seen, but I think there's going to be a lot of you know throwing the football screens, bubble screens, you know that sort of thing. So they're going to have to find someone to fill you know what I think they hoped Chris Johnson was going to do. So I would say they'll probably look to the draft or free agency there. Um, or C J Spiller. Yeah, or C J Spiller. I think that's a you know that's a Obviously, they've been that's been talked about. I think it's a real possibility. Um, if Percy Harvin stays, I think it's good for him because I think Percy Harvin could essentially be a C.J. Spiller type. Obviously, he's not going to run the ball, you know, ten, fifteen times a game, but but you could use him similarly if they decide to keep Harvin. And then I think one more area that it's good for is I think it's good for the tackles um, because. Uh, at least in his last stop, he was uh, Gailey was very much a, 
up tempo, get the ball out quick kind of a you know kind of offense, and that might have been by design because the offensive line wasn't very good. But I certainly think you know we've seen to Brookshaw Ferguson sagging some. He had a you know pretty bad year by his standards, and so I think this would help someone like him. Hopefully, whoever is playing quarterback won't be sacked so much. Um, yeah, because they're getting the ball out quick. I have um I I totally agree um, with almost everything you're saying there, Brian. Those are uh, unbelievably astute observations. I think we're all kind of feeling the same things about Chan Gailey. I have a couple things. Uh, here that I want to put to you guys um, uh, along these lines. One was, uh, and I didn't want to forget about him, one was, it was amazing the first um, reaction to Chan Gailey. I have a a real good friend that that I work with who who, uh, is a huge Bears fan, and we're in the same boat. I mean, we are, Jet fans and Bear fans, Bears fans are in the same boat. There's Phil Emery and Mark Trussman, we had Itzik and Rex Ryan, and the, the, you know the the GM had to keep the coach for a year, and then got to hire. You know the the big difference is Phil Emery got to hire his own coach, and there were no billboards running him out of town. Yeah. Um, and there should have been because he was terrible. Because <laughs> at least Itzik only drafted poorly. That guy gave extensions yeah. like they were candy, and drafted poorly. But anyway, we were talking about when a name comes up, like Chan Gailey, um, or. Um, I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to remember who he was talking about, but um, uh, you know they wound up with uh, with Gase as their offensive coordinator. But um, you know when a name comes up, you're immediately like, oh god, that guy. Like you know his reputation as a head, or like Norv Turner's a guy like that. Right? Shanahan, right? Shanahan, right? right. Shanahan. Those are guys like that where where you're like, oh man, really? You know. But then if you go and look at their coordinator years. They're, they're very solid work there, a ton of great work there. And I think Chan Gailey is that. You know, like the initial Jet reaction in Jet's Twitter and Jet fans was like, oh, man. that's And even, you know, uh, Francesca said he doesn't understand that hire because he says he runs a ground-and-pound offense, which is completely incorrect. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. It was just patently incorrect today when he said it. But anyway. I think he's thinking about, like, the Pittsburgh team from, yeah, like, the just, mid-90s is what he's just, thinking just, about. It's flat wrong. The guy was running, right. like, a read option with Tyler Thigpen, like, six years ago. Yes, exactly. So, you know, it's just flat wrong. But um, what was what was interesting was uh, I was on uh, going back and forth on Twitter in a good way, just having a conversation during the AFC, or the championship games on Sunday with a huge Jet fan who's also a uh, West Virginia guy. He's a West Virginia alum. And he was saying he's been watching. We were talking about Chan Gailey possibly being hired. And he's been watching Geno since Geno was a freshman. He's a huge Geno fan. Uh, but he's realistic. He was a really good Jet fan. I enjoyed talking with this guy. One of those Twitter conversations you find yourself in, and you're like, oh, this is nice. We should be doing this in a bar watching a game. That's right. That's right. And he was saying when the Jets drafted Geno, he was disgusted because Morningway was the offensive coordinator. And it yeah, is the it, worst the antithesis system. Of, of what Geno was good at, right. Exactly. It was the worst possible system for Geno to go into, which struck me Two ways. One, that sucks. And two, how ineffective and ineffectual Idzik, Rex Ryan, Terry Bradway, you drafted a quarterback with an offensive system in place that he is entirely wrong for. Entirely. Entirely. 
Like, yeah, I mean, I think no they, they, they couldn't have, they, right, they, they knew that he was going to be the guy in time. I think they could, you know, no one could plan for, you know, Mark Sanchez, you know, whatever, breaking his collarbone or whatever yeah. it was. You know, oh, thanks, like, right. no, no one could have planned for that. But but at the same time, right, I think they, they thought, well, well, we'll get him a season where he can watch or, or whatever. Right, but they but had just right, hired Morningweg. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you would think let's get a guy who who understands West Coast sensibilities. You know, if we're gonna right, if we're gonna draft someone, let's get yeah. that guy. Right. I, like a lot of times, a lot of times you, I, I find this with all the teams I root for. I always have, and I'm 40 years old. It's not like I'm a kid, <laughs> and you still have this like sort of belief, like oh, they know what they're doing. <laughs> like like they're they're in this position, like you know, they they can they be really that foolish at their jobs? Yes, they can. They can actually yes, they be that ridiculously can. foolish at their job. They can all be Matt Millen for like a week. Yeah, and you know it's funny if you guys if you if you like that you should. I'm just gonna plug a site. Go read the, the what. It's easy. Just fantasy football metrics. It's a guy who he he talks about fantasy football, but really from like the dynasty perspective or whatever. But it's okay. a great site. And one of the things he always talks about is how like he's like I don't get it. How like these guys they sleep you know. They sleep on cots in the in the office for three days. They don't see their family. <laughs> they're working twenty hour days, and then they right. come out and they're not using their most you know their playmakers the way that they should be using them. You know they're they're you know just grinding this team into dust. They 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 they're totally not innovative. Whatever it is, and yep. and you're exactly right. It's like. I think there is a myopia, right? There is yep. this myopia of like, well, we we think we know or we we think we understand, and and they just bias themselves and they they don't yep. see everything. They really don't. And so, you know, yeah. you're not crazy to say like, am I crazy that you know maybe right. I would be a better coordinator? I think what it did Larry David say something a couple weeks ago. Yeah, how he, he said like, I could do it. I could do it. Yeah, I could be like, the give me a couple weeks and I could be a coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> The other, the and other I don't doubt him. I would love it. I would love it if he was a yeah. Jet fan. Yeah. Oh, that would be tremendous. Are you kidding? I love that he's a Jet fan. He's a perfect Jet fan. Um, yes. <laughs> the other thing that I yes. picked up yes. on uh, was, um, and again, this was in the uh, the McCagnan interview with Francesa, and it was critical. It was very big. Again, for Mike, you know, to blow the white smoke out of the chimney and approve of this, but also for Jet fans to know. And that was the um, the sort of I'm, I'm I'm backtracking a bit here, but I didn't want to forget this, guys, because it's important. The uh, basically you know separation of power, and who has domain over what, and McCagnan really defined it, and Francesa was really pushing on it, and that was he has authority over the final 53. The 53 man roster is him. He'll get input, of course, from Todd Bowles. Absolutely, but it's him. The 53 guys that are on this team are his. The guys that play on Sunday are Bulls. And it was and he and McCagnan made a point of saying, "I think to do it any other way is dumb." <laughs> Literally, it's like basically saying the way the Jets were doing it is yeah. stupid. Yeah, we're not going to do it. It was, and it was, and I, it, it, it was, and I and I thought that was, and Francesca was like, "Okay, it's good to know. Good to know." That's that's the, you know because the fan the fan wants to know the fan wants to know who, who's making the calls who's making the yeah and again, they were this very was, he was yeah they were points. very clear <laughs> you know? in, the, in the search and when they were hiring these guys they made it very clear that that was going to be the structure and in the NFL that's you know that's that's not 
the normal structure, right? The normal structure is generally owner, ownership, you know, senior vice president, whatever. And, you know, you've got the GM and you've got the coach under the GM. But I think right. in watching what's happened over the last even three years, not even prior to IDZIC, um, between the coach and the GM and who's making what decisions and, you know, innuendo and insinuation and um, allegation and all the things that we've seen from, from the newspapers in New York, there's this sense of we need to be very deliberately clear from the outset how this works so that when things come up in the future, when we bring in a quarterback or, or we draft a quarterback or whatever we do, it is clear and it is defined and we can point back to that so that we don't get down the rabbit hole that, we, that we've been down over the last yeah. three years where Rex is leaning on Mike Tannenbaum to make this bomb of a deal for Mark Sanchez or for San Antonio Holmes or whatever it is. Yeah. And John Idzik, or you know, in this case Mike McCagnan, is not mandating to his coach who's going to be active on game day, who's the starting quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was, I think it was huge. He was saying, you know, basically I'll sign him and draft him. You decide when they play and you decide who plays. And I, and I, and I think that's, that's a great division of power. One last thing, the guy, the Twitter guy, the uh, West Virginia, I think is, I, I forget, I forget what his handle is. But he's really good. I started following him. Really good Jet fan. He was saying, Jet fans are not going to want to hear it. But Chan Gailey is the perfect uh, offensive coordinator for Geno. He really is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because because the the stuff that Chan Gailey is able to run, um, and likes to run, and it's mostly spread. Like Chan Gailey will get in there and see what Geno Smith can do, and will run nothing but spread. And basically, oh, he, and I forgot someone, Jason yeah. Morrow. This could be Jason huge Morrow, yes. for Jason yeah. Morrow. The, the the he'll be a second year tight end this year yep. because he Cal was saying that. Yep. A, right, he came out of a college program where he ran spread. That's what yep. he ran. And so you yep. know, you put him in the spot and you let him run a post pattern and you you know throw it to him ten times a game. Like that could happen. Yeah. No. Totally. And he, you know, Geno Smith is is going to be on the roster because he doesn't cost much. Uh, you know, he, I loved McCagnan's uh, line today, which was, you know, I'm not married to him. I'm not anointing him, and I'm, and I'm not cutting ties with him. I just got to get to know him. You know, we we don't know what we've had. We we don't have him. We haven't had him in the building. That was the exact right thing to say. Um, but uh, I think Chan, uh, and and then the last thing, Cal. We talked about this a ton, and our buddy uh, Evan. Uh, Bry, great Jets fan, had said one of the things he wanted to see from Bowles was the staff that he assembles. Do you think that he's taking guys because he took the Jets job or he's just taking guys? And he said on with Mike Francesa today, yeah, I took guys because I took this job. Now, there were a couple guys that I was taking regardless of where I went. But if he took Chan Gailey because he's taking the Jets' job, I mean that's that's move number one that tells me this guy's going to be good, mm-hmm. because it's recognizing the personnel that you have on your team and getting the best offensive coordinator for that personnel. Something Rex Ryan never did. Right, and I mean all Rex Ryan is doing, other than Greg Roman, everything he's doing in 
in Buffalo is a repeat. Yeah, no. It's a, it's a, it's a. I mean, it's just a do-over, right? Of of everything yeah. he already did. I mean, he's bringing he's bringing Dennis Thurman back. Who I'm sure Dennis Thurman is a, is a wonderful guy, but he cannot scheme for crap. Like he needs Rex Ryan to basically, you know, he needs to copy off Rex Ryan's homework. I'm sorry, like that's that's <laughs> the end of the story. That's Mike totally agree. Mike Pettin could run his own defense. Dennis Thurman is never going to, uh, personally, I don't think he'll ever be a defensive coordinator That's why outside he's there. of working for Rex. Right. That's I why mean, Rex hires there. him. I'm just saying, right. If, if, right. If, 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 if they get fired and they're going separate ways, he'll be a defensive line or a secondary coach or something like yep. that. He'll never be a defensive coordinator again. Totally agree. But, does, but isn't, isn't that, to speak to Rex, again, loyal to a fault? Yes. He's just, I mean, that, that was what got him in trouble here. And that's, he's, he hasn't, and being loyal to a fault also shows you he hasn't learned. He didn't learn anything in six years, you know? So it was time for him to go here. We needed a change in New York. I think Buffalo is going to learn a hard lesson that he hasn't, he hasn't evolved in six years as a coach. Right. Now, yeah, we'll my see in three years, Buffalo. Game. <laughs> yeah, my biggest misgiving was the defense losing momentum. Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, you know, whoever. Like, you know, losing momentum off off yep. the Rex Ryan gas pedal. Totally That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen if, when you hire Todd Bowles or, or, or Dan Quinn. Not going to happen. I, I just can't wait to see halftime adjustments. That's all I want. Just halftime adjustments. <laughs> please, just please. Does that exist? Is that a real thing? Did, um, well, the, the two do that? Oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. And the two teams. Some coaches do that. The two teams in the Super Bowl are, you know, Bill Belichick's the best maybe ever at making halftime adjustments and cheating, but making halftime adjustments yeah. mostly. And and Pete Carroll's staff, Dan Quinn included, is also fantastic. The, the best teams, the teams that are there every year can make adjustments at halftime for whatever game they're playing in. Yeah. And. You know, you, you can have a, a good year, but if you can't consistently do that or bend from what you're running, like you're so married to what – like that was Schottenheimer, right? Like Shoddy would have a game plan, and if by halftime it wasn't working, he refused to, to deviate from it. To, no, to divert, it's, right. The bullets are flying. The situation working. has changed. Yeah. Right. He wouldn't change. <laughs> the Super Cop story is working <laughs> at all times. And he refuses to to change the lie. He refuses. Yeah. And um, and and uh, it would just be. Not, it, it seems that Todd Bowles, uh, in his stops as a, as a defensive coordinator, has done a lot of that. You know, you look at ours at the Arizona Cardinals as a second half team in a lot of their games. A lot of adjustments made. It seems like. You know, yeah. so with, with Rex, it was it was like I mean, you, you go back to that Green Bay game this year, right? It was like, yep. oh my God, they're blowing the doors off the Packers, and then you know you get through three quarters, and you're like, I I don't know. It's like you're it's like you're trying to get to the gas station on fumes, right? It's like, are we going to be able to get <laughs> yeah. to the gas station? And you just it's like I I I see it. I just I don't know if we're going to make it, and and that's just the way it was always. Whether it was Peyton Manning, whether it was Tom Brady. It's like he would confound the best quarterbacks in the league, but right in the fourth quarter, nothing changed, and they would just you know eat him up. Yeah, and he would never let his offense put away a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something he's definitely going to have to change as a head coach because it's 2015. 
and you can't win games the way he wants to win games consistently because the league is designed for offense. So you can't get a 13-3 lead in the second quarter and then just ride it out and have your offense go into a complete shell so they don't make a mistake and basically go into the four-minute offense for three quarters. Can't do it. You're never going to keep any team down. Most NFL teams can come back from 10 points. Most of them can against the best defenses. You know, So you're never going to be able to win games consistently the way he still wants to win games unless you have the Seahawks defense, which he doesn't have. Right. You know, so it's going to be tough to tell. A couple things, Brian, you've been unbelievably generous with your time. I'd like I'd love to take you real quick because we have to just to get your 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 um your opinion on everything that's going on with you know, with with uh you know, with the footballs and and with the Patriots and and what do you think the NFL will do? Uh, cuz we're going to we're going to segue into this topic anyway. And I I uh we'd love to get your your opinion on this. You know what? Yeah. What does the NFL do? No, no. I was just gonna say, what what does the NFL do here? Roger Goodell has had a bad year. He has. Yeah. You know what? What do they do here? What are they doing? First of all. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm at at heart, you know, I'm I'm a libertarian, and so it's like I I, I definitely (laughs) I'm of the mind that if you're gonna have a rule, right? They have this rule where the the balls have to be inflated between, you know, X and Y, and and if they're not, you know, then you're outside of the rules and whatever. That's fine. Okay, you know, if if you're going to have the rule, have the rule, and have NFL officials or whatever be the ones who are in control of the footballs at all times or, or whatever, because clearly this is a pervasive problem. The Patriots are not the only team that's doing this. Many teams do this, or they set them to the limit, hoping that they, you know, that they can get away with, you know, you know, kind of going riding the margins. Let's say. Um, so if you're going to have the rule, and it's obviously as big a deal as America is making it, you got to have the officials in control of those balls. But at the same time. Um, or just don't have the rule. Just remove the rule and let people, you know, have a have a shriveled raisin that they want to throw, or a you know overinflated <laughs> you know beach ball. Like I don't I don't care. Just let them do what they want. But if you're going to have the rule, you have to have people on it to enforce it. Um, you know, it, you can go and read a lot of stuff around. There's a great article from Dan Wetzel on Yahoo. Um, I would definitely suggest listeners uh, go read it. And essentially what he says in that article is Tom Brady had to know, had to know. Oh, that this, he had because to. This is basically, this is his, this is his baby. He, you know, the footballs are in practice, you know, that they, you know, they, they pick, they handpick the footballs they want for the game. They sand them down. They rub them down. They spend, you know, inordinate times with these footballs. It's not like they just came off the truck. Like these are, you know, handpicked footballs by the quarterback. So he had to know the situation. So any, you know, uh, I didn't know that this was happening, you know, kind of talk as he, you know, as he talked today to the press, um, you know, it's it's silly. I, I think the NFL is obviously trying to just ride this out a little bit. They're trying to let the storm die down. You know, I think um, I, as far as what they do, I, the Colts aren't going to be playing in the Super Bowl. I certainly think, you know, draft picks are, are, are likely to be, uh, there's going to be punitive measures. Um, the team hasn't been, uh, you know, 
caught guilt, you know, they've not been found guilty of cheating um, since 2007, although McDaniels has, right, uh, when he was yep, with the Broncos. Right. Um, yep. So, you know, so, I mean, he, he's not the Patriots that you can't say, but, but obviously you've got that kind of pervasive mentality in the building. Um, and then, you know, I, I just, um, it's, it's, they, they can play this off and, and it might be that, um, Bill Belichick didn't know, but you'd have to imagine that, you know, he, for, for the amount of control that he exerts yeah. over that team, he has to know what's going on. Um, and I just, I just think it was, um, it's one of these situations where, you talk about Roger Goodell. I'll just say this: like he he has kind of been what's the phrase like hoisted by his own petard. Like he he is so hyper conscious to might be. image image and you know yeah. and the way things look and appearances that he he's he's kind of created this this environment for the NFL so that. When these things come up, you know these these major issues that have come up this year, you know whether it's this or whether it was the you know, domestic abuse stuff, you know that like he's he's so concerned about the image of the league, like it just makes him look so bad. It makes I, yeah. I mean I don't know how else to say it. He looks so bad, and that this is an ongoing investigation. What are the what else are they going to find at this point? Like it's not ongoing anymore. Like at, at this point. The, they know what the deal is, and for them to pretend otherwise is, is foolish. And, you know, all that's going to happen is they're going to be fined some draft picks, the ball boy's going to be fired, and, you know, Tom Brady will continue to get his Uggs promotions or whatever. Well, I don't know. well is it even an investigation at this point? I mean, I mean they have. They have I mean, <laughs> right, what else is there to, to Tom Brady? Did right. you do it, Tom? Yeah. No. Okay, all right. <laughs> Thanks. Right, uh, move on. Then. I mean, they could at least bring him in for questioning. I mean, they do that on even the worst Law and Order episode. Like, he, he, I, I, I agree with you on one sense, Brian, about the rules. The rule, like the rules. The rule. If they broke a rule, they should be punished. But I think there's, I think there's Spygate residue here, mm-hmm. and I think, and I think in the public. It's not that we didn't get our pound of flesh with the Patriots because they were, you know, fined what, what, you know, basically a million dollars and they lost draft pick and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we got our pound of flesh, but we never got answers because the tapes right. were burned and destroyed. So we never really knew. We knew they cheated. They were punished like they cheated a lot. But we never knew how much they cheated or how they cheated with Spygate. So I think that as an NFL fan, you're already in a place where the Patriots are dubious. Right. And, and, and again, if this is, a, and they're ex-cons. I mean, they really are. This is like an ex-con committing a crime. You're like, buddy, I, we had, you did this. Yeah. You're back again. You're a, two, you're a two-time hunting? loser. You're suspect. You're suspect. You're suspect. You're suspect. You're suspect. <laughs> I don't know what you boys have heard on the street, but you suspect. Um, that's great. I love that scene. <laughs> and, and, it, and, and until such a time, gentlemen, keep your ears to the grindstone. Um, but he, but so I think that's that's a big factor in this. Is that 
if the NFL doesn't act now, like Kyle, you were saying this tonight, you're like, well, it's just going to go away. The NFL is just going to be like, ah, well, we'll deal with it after the Super Bowl. On to Arizona, everybody. Well, that's that's the yep. irony of, of what you said, Brian, that he's so concerned about public image, and his public image couldn't be worse right now. Oh, it's so true. It's so and, true. But, but, he's, but he's so concerned about this. They're going to let this my, – my opinion is they're going to try – like you said, they're going to try to ride this out, and it's going to blow up next week with all the media in Arizona, and they're not going to care. They're just going to let no. it happen. So that they don't. Right. I mean, so what is they, media day even going to be like? Like, are people going to be like literally dressed in like deflated footballs? What is going to oh, happen? I haven't well, even thought TMZ about it. Well, TMZ will. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and, and Francesca made this point a number of times today, and it, and Brian, uh, Cal, and I were talking about this. Uh, Brian, this is there's a lot of times of late I can't listen to Mike Francesca unfortunately uh, anymore, and I've been listening to him since 1989. Um, but days like today, he's must listen. He's must listen. Because he handles, or like the paternal scandal, or, you know, he handles yeah. these kind of things so well that you're like, why can't you be this good every day? You know, like, why can't you try at your job this way every day? But anyway, he brought up the great point. He's like, there's not regular media at the Super Bowl. This is not right. the NFL media. This is every person ever they're, who's going to want to get drowned out. The real watchdogs are going to get drowned out by the the chick from Mexico who's you know wearing a bikini. Right. Right. Exactly. This is you know this Pauly is Shore or somebody this like is that. Where stuttering, right. stuttering John takes center stage. You know, like it, it's just it's and, and but the NFL doesn't care. They don't care. They are so big and almighty and powerful that you will continue to buy the product. No right. matter what they decide here, we just spent an hour talking about the Jets' coaching hires. <laughs> you know, like we and we and you write about it every day, and you do it well, and and you know that's great. But we're buying the product. We're junkies. We are complete yeah. junkies, and you're telling us that the product, the, the batch that we just bought, is bad. We don't care. We're still going to shoot it up. Stomp on it again. Stomp on it again. Until that's it. We're still, we're still going to shoot it up. And that's what they count on. Yep. Well, one thing I do want to say is I, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but I, I lived in New England for a couple of years, and you know it was always the situation where there was a you know going to be a monsoon or you know cold like you know blizzard yep. conditions or whatever. And I always they, they would always talk on the radio how oh you know this weekend. They're gonna. The Patriots are just gonna run the ball. They're gonna have to run the ball to win the game or whatever. Right. And then right. they would come out and they would just blow the other team out of the water, <laughs> passing the ball. Brady right. would, you know, score forty-eight <laughs> points and you know, and would throw for four hundred yards. And you're like, what the hell just happened in in a snow game? <laughs> and so He's my the point best is like, bad weather quarterback no... in football. They say it right. all the time. He's the best right. bad weather quarterback since Terry Bradshaw. That's a great yeah. observation. Well, why do Brian? you think he's the best bad weather right. quarterback right. if he's if his football is at, you know, ten pounds per square inch or whatever, you know. And it know. does make a huge difference. It does make a huge difference. You had plenty of players and quarterbacks saying in bad weather it makes a huge difference. Yeah, you know, and Aaron Rodgers. It was interesting because Aaron Rodgers said, "You know, I, I think it's I, I think a deflated football is is worthless, right? I th- I want it inflated. He's I want the only it overinflated. Guy, right. But the difference is, you you watch Aaron Rodgers throw the ball, and he's throwing you know a throw a frozen yoke uh, a frozen rope forty yards downfield. Tom Brady is 
was never a deep ball quarterback. Yes, he's thrown some deep passes over his career, but he's a short yardage guy, right? And it's gotten worse in the last couple of years. Yep. And and so, I mean, you're telling me a guy with huge mitts, with an underinflated ball that, you know, favors the, the, the soft touch passing game, you know, that this isn't a major advantage for him. It's a major advantage. Now, right, is he the only one doing it? No, but, you know, he got caught doing it. So Hey, and that's, that's the... All right, I heard the great line, too, about that, like, oh, like, they're the only ones to do it. Well, it's the old speeding example, right? Like, everybody speeds, but when you get pulled over for a ticket, you're not getting out of it by telling the cop, hey, look, everybody does it. Right. You got caught. <laughs> you, pay the, you pay the penalty. You got caught. Right. You know, I, I – um, uh, and we're going to let you go in a second, Brian. Thank you so much for your time. Um, hey. one, one last question. Uh, the Super Bowl coming up in two weeks. Um <laughs> Yeah, they're not going to suspend Brady. They're not going to suspend Belichick. Maybe next season, which would I'm, I think all three of us would sign for that right now. That'd be fine. Right. Um, but what, but uh, what about Marshawn Lynch's shoes, or, or what he talks yeah. to the media about? Like, yeah, let's, let's, I know. Maybe we'll suspend him because because Fine he doesn't talk to media. Fine, twenty thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars for his cleats. Come on. <laughs> Uh, but who who do you like in this game? Just real quick, what do you? Have yeah, to, you know, I, mean, I know I know who you're rooting for, but who do you like? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely rooting for Seattle, but I really think, I mean, and maybe I'm crazy, but I, I just think Seattle has such a distinct advantage over this New England team. I mean, I understand New England's a great team, but in terms of you know, they're going to have to run the football. I mean, that secondary is amazing. You know, Gronkowski and, and Shane Vereen, you know, those guys might might have some good days, but everything else I just think lines up for Seattle. You know, they're, Seattle's going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to stop the Patriots running the ball. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I just think that, that, that Seattle team's too much. Now, the key there is Russell Wilson cannot have the kind of game he had last week. He, he's got to play significantly better you know maybe he doesn't uh, he's going to have an interception or two maybe but i he can't be throwing four interceptions they'll, they'll never win that way but if he can have a steady game and they can you know stop the and the seattle can stop the run i think i think they can have a great day against the patriots all right you like to see hey let go plus years again okay buddy please thank you so much for your time tonight keep keep up the great work with the site and um uh, definitely come back on with us uh, real soon, okay? Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks so much, guys. Okay. Enjoy the big game. Thanks, Brian. Brian Bassett from uh, Turn on, or Turn on the Jets. <laughs> the JetsBlog.com. We have Joe Caparoso on so often. Uh, uh, wonderful. Really great. Thank you, Brian. Uh, so good. That's a good. I mean, those are the two. Those are my two stops every day. TheJetsBlog.com and uh, TurnOnTheJets.com. Those are my two jet stops every day. They are the guys doing it right. (coughs) You made me choke right there. I'm sorry. I'm all right. Um, Do you want to do anything more on Deflategate? No. Can I just make one? Call button. For God's sake, call button. Well, I don't have one. I don't have one. If I mute the show on the... On the switchboard, I mute the whole show. That means I mute Cal as well. Gosh. I don't. I don't say much, so you're not muting. Wow. Now we're here. Great. What? So glad we got here so quickly. Super. <laughs> this is an intervention, stop. Steve. We're uh, gonna talk. Steve, sit down and stop talking. <laughs> <laughs>
Go ahead, you fleeky. What do you want to say? I wanted to just get PJ's opinion. Oh, oh yeah, that's fine. Because it's in the it's in the zeitgeist. It's out there in, in the uh, <laughs> in the ether. Peach, um, welcome back to the program. We use we use zeitgeist too much. I we really listening do. to like the last four fun loads and the last four episodes. We can't yep. get away from that word. I'm changing it to ready to zeitgeist. That's the new name of the show. With with Callan's like with Callan's zeitgeist. Unforgivably terrible. Pop culture Please don't zeitgeist. do that. <laughs> Bishop Pop Culture Zeitgeist. Um, what do you, <laughs> that rolls what do off you, the tongue. Yeah, really smooth. What do you make of uh, Deflate Gate here, Peach? This is this is a thing to me. You know, I don't care in a way, but I think this is the kind of thing that drives away the casual fan. Like Cal was just saying, you really? know, they, they've got us. We're still talking about the Jets, and we're still going to watch the Super Bowl. And there's, you know, you draw concentric circles around the NFL, and one of the circles is the captive audience who's never going to abandon the NFL. But there's another right. circle of casual fan that looks at this thing, and they just say, oh, this is not legit. It's not legit. Every time, every time I watch something about the NFL, there's a ridiculous scandal. The players are criminals. The coaches cheat. What do I need this for? And that they will find something else point. to tune into. Yeah, that is an unbelievably good point. But don't you think you know, that that might be the not, sport? It's not 50% of the audience, but it might be 10%. That's important. You're right. But that's a, that, what were you going to say, Cal? I've got nothing else to add to that. You, you, you nailed it. And that's an unbelievably great point because that's what's in that's what's in question here for NFL fans too. Like that's not just the general public. I think NFL mm-hmm. fans, because it's the Patriots, yeah. are at a point like, is this just a confidence game? Like, are, are these games on the level, or are you going to let a team get away with breaking a rule? Uh, you know, any any time. And, how many you know, how many people year. our age, how many people our age, drifted from the WWF WWE over to UFC? I would say a lot. What? A lot. I would say a and lot. It's not just, and it's not just because WWE was pure entertainment. It's because they. There was something there that they really enjoyed, and they realized, well, this one over here is fake and phony, but oh my gosh, look at this. You know, these guys over here are hardcore. Right. And they do it one way. They do it, you know, they do it legit. Yeah, but I I don't think the NFL fan is going to get tired of this and say, you know what? I can't. I just. I can't watch the NFL anymore. I can't watch it. I'm gonna go watch uh, Canadian football instead. Well, no one ever says that ever. Well, no one ever does you, say that. that but, but okay, bad example. But you know, yeah. my point is. My my point is. I think the NFL is just such a beast that it's and it's part of your lifestyle as a sports fan. If you're a football fan, you watch the NFL, and they could do. They could do everything short of, 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 of taking a leak on, on your family. No, I, di- I, I disagree. 
it's it's at a it's at a level now where it's not making or breaking viewership, but it's insidious to the point where I'm the kind of casual fan who eventually I will get tired of this and just stop watching NFL games, and that means that my kids don't watch the NFL. That's so fair. I'm out, and then the generation behind me now is out because they have no exposure. That's a good point. I don't know and to what level it's going to make an impact, though. Like, I, I believe you that it will happen with mm-hmm. you, but I don't know how many of you there are out there that it's going to have an impact. Sixteen. There are exactly sixteen of us. 16. I counted. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, do, you, do you meet I every Wednesday? I think there's a lot of ca- I think there's a lot of casual people who will eventually get turned off to this kind of circus. Well, we'll we're going to see because I would I would venture to guess that even more people will watch the Super Bowl this year because of this. That's not uh, uh, you know what? That, yes, that's not bad. The other, it, it's it's not a bad guess at all. And the other thing we've talked about in terms of turning fans off to the NFL, like what could be the thing that drives this or takes this this huge beast down is the violence is the the concussions is the is the you know the 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 injuries that these guys are sustaining that at some but point it's not no no i i i know it's not i'm uh, i'm i'm just saying those are the only two things i can think of that right. could actually take it down where it gets to a point where the games are too violent and you're watching you're like i don't i don't I'm not enjoying this Roman gladiator thing anymore. Right. You know, that these, these guys are really putting too much of their lives at stake here. You know, and that was the idea of, you know, heaven forbid somebody dying on the field or, you know, something to that effect where, you know, we've had paralysis on the field. You've, you've had that in other games where, you know, uh, but something like that is the only thing that can take this beast down. The only other thing is if the games aren't on the level. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't, but I don't think this is that. I think, well, I think there's, I think we have a team and we have an individual, right, who is poisonous to the league because it, because it just keeps coming up with this guy. Yeah. Well, there is always something with this guy. Yeah. You know, whether yeah, yeah. it's well, cheating. Well, right now, though, he's just sort of a WWE bad guy. He's not. It, it's not gotten to the level where people are are turning their back. It's got right now. It's at the point where people are interested. Like you said, Cal, there'll be more yeah, people right. tuning in this year. You're right. You know, it's he's, he's playing long, a role right now. The long, yeah, the longer it plays this way, though, the the longer the NFL does nothing the more it looks like, you know, a sham. I mean, no one no one watches boxing if they know it's a fixed fight. Right. Right. And you know what? To use to use your example of of professional wrestling, if he's playing the character of the heel right now, people tune in to see the heel get their comeuppance. Yeah. That's that's how the story plays out. That he's great for the story because he's doing all of these dastardly things. But eventually, he's gonna get he's gonna get caught, and you know, good will triumph over evil, or whatever you want to call it. And 
that's I think what people are waiting for. I think people are just waiting to see what what is this guy going to finally do to 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 really get nailed. You know, it's like with O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson, for whatever you know, whatever your beliefs are on the O.J. Simpson situation, he went to jail for uh, the uh, the memorabilia, right? That's you know that was that was the thing that finally got him. So this deflate gate business, whatever you want to call it, obviously deflating the balls did not help them beat the Colts last week. Obviously, it might it might have helped with the conditions. They weren't, but if the balls were the way they were supposed to be, they were beating the Colts. Yeah, I think we can all agree with that. Yep. But he's done so much, and he's been such a thorn in this league that maybe this is the thing that get that 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 he finally gets caught. I don't know. I'll tell you the the uh Corey Griffin, uh another uh, guy I was conversing with on Twitter, uh who's an NFL writer and editor for NBC Sports and but he's also a big Jet fan. He hosts and he's he co-hosts the Jets podcast with um Brian Bassett. So they have their podcast, uh, the Jets Blog podcast. And uh Corey's Corey's great. We go back and forth uh, quite a bit. He writes for the NFL. And Corey said, this is like getting, this could be, I'm going to read it directly, but this could be the NFL's version of arresting Capone for tax evasion. Yeah. This is, he's been so bad, we can't get him on anything else. That's better than the O.J. Simpson analogy, No, 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 that, the O.J. <laughs> Simpson analogy was really good, Cal, because it's true. Our, 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 um, you know, his comeuppance was for a stupid memorabilia ring, but he got it. Right. He still went to jail. See, but the, the difference is, though, that everyone in the government agreed that they had to get Capone. And I think people in the NFL... Does everyone I in think, the NFL agree? I think the owners are starting to feel that way. I Yeah, but they're not there yet. Oh, I think they're starting they're to feel that way with Belichick. I don't think... I don't and if think next, week is, next week is all Deflategate on their biggest week of the year, the owners make a ton of money next week. A ton of money. You know how much NFL merchandise is bought at the Super Bowl? You know, they make a ton of money. And if it's going to be clouded by this guy again, the owners are going to get to a point where like, you're bad for business, buddy. You are bad for business. If people stop buying my team's jerseys because of you, you got to go for tax evasion. Sorry. That's how you get to Capone. And that's the Chicago way. PJ, are you, are, are you gonna watch this? Are you gonna watch the Super Bowl, PJ? Uh, at this point, yes. Yes, I'd say yes. Okay. Your cat is not clearly, as your cat just uh, chimed in. She will not right be watching the, the Super Bowl. <laughs> she, I think she just said F. Belichick. I don't know if that's that. That was cat for Deflategate. <laughs> She's a hundred and thirteen years old. I let her do what she wants. No, 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 no. She's a hundred and thirteen years young. Willard Scott. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's what she is. Look at this beauty right here. <laughs> Very solid. Straight Willard out of a Scott. jar of Smuckers. <laughs> and she jogs five miles a day. How about that? Willard Scott. 113 years old. Man. Is he still alive? Sure. Me. I don't want to comment. I don't know. PJ is very convinced he is. Like as if he had I'm breakfast pretty- with him the other day. <laughs> Yeah, uh, totally. You know what? The second the, the we, second it left my lips, I went, uh-oh, wait a minute. 
We took a shit just the other day. It was great. Fantastic. He's fine. You should see that man in a sauna. He's an Adonis. What would be the uh what would be the punishment for you, Peach? And then we'll go to the fun load. What would be the punishment for you? Like the average fan looking out on it, would the punishment be during the Super Bowl, or like would that be a meeting out of justice that you would be good with, and that you think the public, that like would the general be, public, not the NFL fan, but the general public would be better with? The, oh, the as as a member of the general public, we would eat up a Super Bowl suspension more than anything else. Right, that would be that would be unbelievable. It satisfies your need for revenge. But I don't know if that's really uh, necessary or ever going to happen or even right. Well, we're Americans. We sort of want that. I remember when well, you were in mean. that that band, the general public. Not, not <laughs> as a member of the general public. Did you very, play keyboards in that band? band. <laughs> yeah, that was a large <laughs> band. Huge band. <laughs> I feel like the general public played like... OMD kind of stuff, like, oh, the kid just can't get enough, like something like that, maybe. You or, were doing erasure. <laughs> I was doing erasure, yeah, yeah. Right. Is it erasure or erasure? Uh, erasure. Are you sure about that? Erasure. It just flows. Erasure. Just Nothing. can't get enough. Is that erasure? Yeah. That's, um, I think it is. Maybe. OMD is uh, if you leave. If you leave. Bill Belichick, if you leave, don't leave now. Don't, we should we should, we should probably go to the fun mode. Yeah. Do you want to know? Do you want to know what I would? What my punishment would be? Or did you just want PJs? Um. Willard, Willard Scott is eighty years young, by the way, and on March seventh, <laughs> he turns eighty-one. And on March seventh, he and I are taking a schwitz. <laughs> after after, after God, a bless big breakfast. Big breakfast. Yes, Cal. I do want to know what your punishment would be. I want to see him suspended for the Super Bowl. No. I do. Really? I do. I think... I think... You don't buy at all that he had no knowledge of it. I don't care if he had no knowledge of it. I do buy... I actually... You know what? I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you right here and now. I do believe... I do buy that. As opposed to Wednesday at 4th... Jesus Jones, right here, right now. I do believe that he might not have had knowledge of it. That he didn't know that Brady was doing this. I believe that that's possible. I don't, I don't know for sure, but I do believe that it's possible, but I don't care because you're the head coach of the team. And what did we always kill Rex Ryan for? Not knowing what's going on with his team. Right. You're and Bill, Sean, and, and, and you're Bill, you're Bill Belichick. Yeah. You and, know what's going on with your team. And Sean Payton got suspended for a year. Right. With the excuse Goodell's line was, ignorance is not an excuse. Well... If if that wasn't feigning ignorance today, <laughs> press conferences were magnificent. I and and yeah, I, that's all I know. I told you everything I know. Yeah, I told you but everything then, I know. What about Seattle? I told you everything I, I know, know about the situation. I told you everything I know. I don't know how that situation. And then Tom Brady, like I read somewhere that I said that yeah. I like to throw a deflated ball. It was just it was a, it was a dog and pony show all day with both press conferences. It was a pony and dog that, show, and for that reason, for that reason, they're just they're just spitting at the NFL. Yeah, it's just it's just they're flaunting their disrespect, 
and we're bulletproof, and we can do whatever we want, and we're just going to play dumb, and it's going to go away like it always does. We dare you, Goodell. We dare you to do something. Well, you know what? Take take him up on that dare, right? And suspend him for the Super Bowl. For one, once and for all, give this guy what he deserves. I thought one of Francesca's, he had a big day. But one of his other great points was, how come he didn't hear in either of those press conferences either guy trying to say, and we're going to get to the bottom of what happened? Like, both guys denied any sort of knowledge of anything. Right. And neither one of them said, and... And we're going to figure out how 11 of the 12 balls got two pounds per square inch underinflated. They really, they, they, they really believe that, that this is all they had to do today. Right. All right. You know what? You heard from us. We don't know anything about it. Let's, now we're moving on. They really believe they're that arrogant to think that that's all they need to do. Right. Now, it's, now, it's the, now the ball is squarely in the NFL's uh, court. Yeah. Field. Good, 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 good job on the analogy. The deflated ball is squarely on the NFL right now. Right? In, In the red zone. <laughs> In the red zone. I uh, Do something I, about it, Goodell. Do something. Yeah, I don't think he will. I'm challenging him. Well, he'll, right here. He'll say there's not out. enough time to deliver. Easy, there's Bill not Simmons. enough time. There's not enough time between now and the Super Bowl to make a real decision. So what? don't even try. How is there not enough time? All he's got to do tomorrow is come out and say we're suspending him for the Super Bowl. There's not enough time because it's easy to say. Right. That's why. So what's going to happen next week? What's going to – I love what Brian Bassett say. They're all going to show up dressed as deflated footballs. Right. (laughs) Press week, right. Right. And and the – you'll probably see them trot out the line, the old line, well, we really want to get this right. So the investigation will uh, resume after the Super Bowl. Uh, On yeah. to Arizona, everybody. Yeah, uh, Bill, 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 Bill Belichick, uh, John Smith from Deflated Football Weekly. I want to ask you a question. What do you, you know? Like they're gonna, it's gonna be I absurd. Know. I it's know. gonna, it's gonna be absurd. You know what? I and and if they don't make a ruling, I hope it is. I really it's gonna be. Oh, I can't it's wait. Gonna... I can't wait though. It's gonna be magnificent. Because they're not gonna make a ruling. PJ is absolutely right. They're not going to make a no, ruling. No, they're going to push it out till after the Super Bowl. Right. He'll, he'll be suspended from the preseason. <laughs> like next year. Week two of the preseason. Yeah. That's a hey. That's that'll an important. Be, that's an important. <laughs> that'll be the toothiness of whatever punishment comes down. That's an important game. Uh, we look at a lot of undrafted free agents in that game. That's a big game. Isn't so much of this, though, I still think goes back to Spygate. Of course it does. We because, this way, if this was the Minnesota Vikings. No, I, I know that, but, but it's more than that yeah. to me. It's more than that to me because you, that controversy not being wrapped up and the fact that we know that they destroyed evidence. Like, that was the worst thing they could do for the legacy of the evidence. You know what right. I mean? Like, now it's urban legend. Like, what could have possibly been on those tapes? That you felt you had to destroy them. That was so damning. Right. That you gave this unbelievably harsh financial penalty. Right. And then you had to... We couldn't even see this as the public. They had to be destroyed. Are they snuff films? Like, what was on these tapes? 
And I'll tell you what was on the tapes. It was it was you know practices during the Super Bowl. You know, and and they would have had to take. I think this is and this is not conspiracy, Steve. Here, this is I. This is just what I think. I think there was such damning evidence on those tapes that they would have had to go NCAA style and strip them of titles. I really do. Like, you know, the Rams, like Mike Martz and Marshall Falk swear to. You know, Rams walk through practices from the week of the Super Bowl. You know, tapes of that. Like that bad, where the Rams would have to be given that championship. And the sport just couldn't afford it. We just we couldn't we couldn't know that. At some point they're gonna they're, at some point the owners are gonna say enough with this guy. They really are. They really are. I don't I don't. They're not there yet. Nope. I don't believe. I don't believe. And nope. and and we've seen that it, it's it's such it's such a he's such a contradiction, Roger Goodell. He's just such. An amazing contradiction that he's so concerned about public image, yet when the public is crying for him to do something, right? He 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 can be counted on to do the whatever the wrong thing is <laughs> that's gonna not please everyone. That's what he's gonna do. My buddy Jess said, "I feel like Goodell is the kind of guy who's like hanging out on Twitter when these things are happening." And just like going through tweets and be like, oh, maybe I should do that. Oh, maybe I could do that. Oh, I could do that. Oh, they don't want me to do that. Like he's literally let, he's being guided by like social media. Right. Like how to answer these questions because he's so concerned with what the public perception is. Yet, yet, yet he screws it up. Always. I don't know. It'd be interesting. It is remarkable that. We should be talking about nothing but that Green Bay-Seattle game and how the Patriots were just dominant and destroyed the Colts. God, do you think Mike McCarthy's loving this? He has to be because, I mean, that guy is awful. I know, I know. I feel bad he lost his brother this week. But, yes, he did, which, um, is, which is awful. But take, Aaron Rodgers. How about Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. You know, how about, uh, you, know, uh, you know, the Burnett, the kid in the secondary who picks off that pass and, and Julius Peppers tells him to go down with five minutes left and he stays down. Right. That's the game. Five minutes left and he sat down on an interception like they had to run three plays and run out the clock. Yeah, well. I mean, there was no guarantee they were going to get points out of that even if he, even if he ran the ball back. Cal, he, had, he had 25 yards in front of him. I mean, I, at, the, at, the, at, at least... You're in the plus side of the territory. It's all hearsay. Yeah. It's it's a terrible brain lock. Terrible. It, was bad, it, was, it was a bad play, for sure. But could have cost them a game. It could it could have. We can't say for sure. But there were, uh, again, another uh, line from my buddy Jess, and he's absolutely right. There were six to seven things that absolutely had to go the Seahawks way. And like ridiculous things, right? Yep. And they all did. Yep. Like, a, like a sellout field goal block. When you're up sixteen, nothing. Yep. How about the how about the two point conversion that he heaved yeah. the other side of the field <laughs> into double coverage? And and you know uh, Clinton Dix looked confused as to what he was supposed to do. Like, should I, I am I supposed to pick this off? If I pick this off, are there ramifications? Or do they get two points if I pick it off? I'll just I'll, well I'll just wave my hand. <laughs> it was it was one of one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I think Barnwell 
uh, said it, and he's really good, Cal. I don't know if you read Bill Barnwell, but he's really good. Um, I think he's one of the best NFL writers out there. And um, and he said, look, throw everything else out the window. Mike McCarthy coming with a full field goal block up 16 nothing, you know, like early in the fourth quarter, is a reason he should be fired. It's the worst coaching decision you can possibly you can possibly give right it's throw everything else out the window there is literally nothing to be gained from blocking that field goal nothing yet we were talking we were talking throughout the game and i am i will bet dollars to donuts that we are not the only two people that said at six nothing the Packers are really going to rem- remember this. Oh, no, this. totally. Absolutely. Especially, you know? the, especially the first one. Especially fourth and goal from especially, the, you know, the especially one. the first one. But, but you, could, you could see it coming. You yep. could see it coming. Yep. And it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't take the path that we expected it to, but the end result was exactly what we expected. Right. Well, that's because Seattle can't throw the ball. So they're down two scores, and they're still running with Marshawn Lynch. But, but that... that that call on that play shows such a lack of game intelligence. Right. You're up 16 nothing. 16-3 means nothing. You're happy. And to call a full-out field goal block, like you're not even aware of the fake. So if they fake there, let's just say you're like not in a full field goal block at all, Right. And you're aware of the possibility of the fake, and they do fake, and they're successful. He doesn't score a touchdown. So he gets a first down. So what? Like, the worst possible thing you can do is go all-out field goal block there. It's, 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 it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Oh, Christmas trees. Boy, that's like a, you know, people say the Jets have, you know, that's one of the worst losses I've ever seen. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's really tough. It is bad. Um, should we uh, should we officially go to the fun load? Yes. Okay. You mean play the music and everything? Yeah. Say goodbye to everybody that's listening. Okay. Uh, goodbye to everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank uh, you for Brian Bassett from JetsBlog.com for joining us. Yeah, I was getting there. Do you want? To, why don't you just take us home? Nah. I, uh, <laughs> not your, not your style? Here, take the reins. No, thank you. Nah. Thanks to Brian Bassett from the Jets dog, uh, Jets dog, JetsBlog.com, as Cal just said. Um, <laughs> instant impression. Bass, Bassett hound. Um, and uh, please go check out uh, the podcast in iTunes and also on RTUSports.com. And... Uh, check out uh, Joe Dallow in Dummy the Web Series on YouTube. Um, episode 3 is up. It's really, really good. Go to YouTube.com, search Dummy the Web Series, and subscribe to that. Thank you again to Brian, and um, we will see you all live next week. And now, and now, we should probably say goodbye to the live <laughs> listeners, too. Why don't you just? Uh, why don't you just do it? Oh, now you want me to do it. I would like you to do it now. Nah. (laughs) Wow.
Good night, everybody. Good night, live listeners.